Alex, if you could, let everyone know who you are, what you do, and, and why we're here. <laughs> Absolutely. So, my name is Alex Bochel. I am an EDM producer, DJ, music marketer. I do a lot of things related to music. Um, all of it is surrounding my artist project, and that's just my name uh, for all of my EDM, and all of the things I do are to support that EDM. So I do a whole bunch of things like marketing, I do wedding DJing, all to basically me, <laughs> to push my funds into um, my music to grow my name in music. So I don't have, I don't really have a, a, a business around those other things. I am basically a contractor. So I, I work with companies uh, to do those other things in order to funnel stuff into my music. Right, right. So how how'd you how'd you get started with marketing music? So I'm guessing at some point you probably started making music, and then yeah. so usually sometime <laughs> later someone will realize like oh no one's listening to this unless I do something. So what was that journey like? Yeah, so the making music started years ahead of the actual marketing for the music, and it was eighth grade. I wrote my first song. It was a heavy metal song that I wrote using my Paper Jams guitar, which is that plastic guitar that used to be heavily marketed on Cartoon Network. <laughs> and I used the drum app on my iPod Touch to give myself some drums. And then at the time, I was into metal, so I, I did my own vocals, and they were screamo vocals. Nice. The song was called I Have to Go to the Bathroom, and not a single person other than myself and the unfortunate friends that I showed actually <laughs> listened to it. Uh, but from there, I was like, this is really fun. I like making joke music. And so I started making 8-bit music, video game, like chiptune style music. And then I heard about this website called Fiverr. They basically, it, back in the day, it was contractors for $5 only. Yeah. Uh, and so I started selling 8-bit music to people for $5. Um, that inspired me to set up a SoundCloud so that I could post all of my 8-bit music and some of those songs got some listens on SoundCloud. And like, I think I was super excited when I had a song that was over a thousand listens on SoundCloud. <laughs> um, from there, I went to college, took a very long break from music. And my senior year of college started making EDM. And within two years, I started focusing on marketing. Uh, nice. The actual marketing began about the time that I met you, actually. It was ah. through Adam Ivey's uh, course. And I can't remember why we got to talking, but you basically were just starting out doing Facebook ads. Yeah. And you had just started marketing a playlist that you had your own music on. And you were like, yeah, it works. Like I'm getting, <laughs> like people are listening to my music. They're following the playlist. And now I'm a certain yeah. curator. So I, I, like, think, I think in Adam Ivey's thing, because um, so just so everyone kind of knows what we're talking about, all the cats, <laughs> I heard yeah, the meow. I'll just keep her moving here. The uh, we were we were both in Adam Ivy's accelerator program, which I won't go too in depth into what what that is. Um, but that was kind of my first like big push into music marketing was learning stuff from Adam Ivy on YouTube. Um, and then like fast forward, eventually um, we actually ended up working together, and I was actually a second coach in that for a bit. And then I was helping him out with with some other things. I don't know how much you would want me to share, so I won't go into the details, but <laughs> you know, we ended up working together for a bit. Um, and last time I was in Florida, we actually, we got dinner at Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I love Olive Garden. Great choice for it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's how me and Alex met. I don't remember if I was like a coach in the course of that point or I was still a student in the course of that point. I think I might have been a coach by then, but I'm not sure. Um, you were not a coach and then you became a coach while I was in it. Yeah. So both. But you're right. I should step back. The, the, the marketing of Playlist wasn't the very first thing. The very first thing was YouTube videos, Instagram promotion, things that Adam talked about on his yeah. YouTube channel. Um, so I had been posting on Instagram and doing, you know, commenting on people's posts and uh, messaging people when they first followed me. And all of those things worked really well to get like people that were good supporters, like really um, that felt connected to me and my music. But it didn't build up a lot of streams, per se. Mm. I mean, I could I could get a few hundred on release day and then it would trickle off from there. But yeah. it didn't it didn't make a really big difference in streaming. And for me, the streaming is where I want to make most of my revenue from as yeah. an artist. That's just what I am choosing to focus on. So when you showed me the whole playlist thing, I set up my first Facebook ads campaign. It was a click campaign for a playlist that I had. And I mean, within a few weeks, I had it up to a thousand followers, but every yeah. single click was from India. And I think I was running a click campaign and it was like one cent per click. I was like, yeah. this is the greatest thing ever. I'm the, the marketing genius. Um, <laughs> and I got lots of streams on the music. But um, yeah, that was, I mean, that was the main start. All of the more sophisticated Facebook ads things came yeah. after that. Yeah, back then, uh, for those of you who haven't been watching my channel for that long, um, when I first started making videos on this topic, I was using link click campaigns. And then it was like the, by the third video I was making it, I had switched to conversion campaigns around third, fourth video because it just like stopped working one day. And I don't know if it was like it stopped working then or it was just like never working that efficiently. And it was just because I had zero information on Spotify that it just seemed like it was working well. But there was like a period of time where traffic campaigns were a little more reliable than now where they're like they can work. They're just just like flipping a coin or probably even more accurately rolling a freaking dice. Like if, if I make like five traffic campaigns, like four of them will fail. <laughs> right. Um, and I also noticed too, when they, when they don't fail, they always come out to be about, you know, slightly less effective than every conversion campaign because yeah. I always track my cost per, if I'm doing advertising for a playlist, I'll track it based on cost per follow to the playlist and cost yeah. per stream over time that the playlist actually creates. And the, the link click is a, far cheaper thing than the conversion yeah but it it, it, has, it has gets a, less followers and less streams overall yeah totally uh, and uh, i've seen ones where like the cost per link click is the same as the cost per conversion and it's just like it ends up working the same and it's like okay cool well, why wouldn't i use this traffic one it's like well because you're paying the same per person but now you don't have the pixel tracking and so it's yeah. just like well, what's the, what's the point you know if it's cheaper yeah. and it works well then it's worth it um and i do have i do know some people who have really cheap well-performing clean click campaigns but it's like that's like a rare thing in my experience and i mean i talk to like 15 i do like 15 consultation calls a week right and so for the past two years i've been doing it i've talked to a lot of people who have run a lot of traffic campaigns and i've seen a lot of failures um and so that's why when people ask me, it's like, well, how do you know? You've only you've only shown a couple in the videos. It's like, well, I don't show all the ones in the videos, and I also don't show the hundreds or thousand plus people I've talked to's numbers either. So, um, yeah, don't use traffic campaigns, folks. But 
So the uh, the playlisting, I guess if you were to kind of describe the everything you've kind of built to this point, like how many playlist followers do you have? What have you built your Spotify to and like streams, monthly listeners follow, whatever metrics you think are kind of cool to share. Yes. So playlists, I have probably four playlists that I've focused on and between all of them, it's uh, believe around 12,000 followers for play, per playlist. Um, I, I'm going to pull up the exact number now, but it's, it's fun to look at streams coming from a certain playlist because um, yeah. when I built, built my first few playlists, they were like, it was like gaming music or it was like um, emotional EDM, but EDM uh, music to take you to a mountaintop, right? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, but I've started getting into more like, like utility playlists, uh, playlists as well. So, um, my, my Twitch playlist, that is my main EDM playlist now has about 4,000 followers on it. Um, it's had 7,000 listeners total, but the number of streams it's bringing in, it's been over 165,000 streams. So the stream per yeah. listener, is like phenomenal. And that's compared to the other playlists that I have that I've grown those, those ones don't even come close, like 2,000 listeners, but it's only created 9,000 streams. Um, so the, the playlist thing, thing has helped my music a lot, but um, most, of, most of the streams I've gotten have been through direct uh, traffic right to a certain song yeah. or to my artist profile. And so my overall Spotify streams crossed a million earlier this year, which was a huge milestone for me. Yeah. And is, is about... Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> getting getting closer to a million and a half, um, and then about five thousand followers. And throughout the since I started releasing my music, one hundred eighty-seven thousand listeners. So a lot more streams than listeners, which is a goal yeah. for me because I want people to be listening a lot as opposed to a lot of people listening and yeah. um, not a there. Not there a is one um, engagement. One larger artist I did some consultations with, they have like 600,000 monthly listeners and like you know, 90,000 followers or something. And the thing that blew me away about their audience was that they were getting on average um, seven streams per listener, mm. which is like exceptionally high. From, from yeah, especially for a big people. artist. Yeah, yeah. And um, which like, I know a few people around that size and like usually people have between like, 2.5 and 4, I would say, is kind of like the average range I see. Um, unless if someone's like entirely reliant on playlisting, then it's like a 1.3 or something. But yeah. for artists who have either a big organic following or ad following, it's like 2.5 to 4-ish most people. But these people were like a, a 6 or a 7. And for them, it was like they combination i mean one they've been a band for like a decade so they they have the benefit that of time <laughs> they've done they've done the tours they they do ads they've done the playlisting they have a big social media presence on tiktok and other platforms too so but like whatever they've done they kind of did some magic that got the stream per listener rate up and that's like when i saw that data i was like this is fantastic and they're like yeah that's like our proudest achievement because like yeah they consider that like a you know a quality metric which i think you and i both do too yeah, that shows that it's not just, you know, really good marketing that's getting their streams up. It's the music is really good, which for yeah. artists, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah. And, and even across my songs, like, you know, you might have certain songs that do good or bad in the Facebook ads, but it's better if you like 
you have a song that is getting like six streams per listener then something's getting three streams per listener or two streams per listener and um you know that's kind of i care about the quality of that more than i do like the quality of the like i guess the low cost per conversion obviously low cost per conversion matters because that's how you get the people but right. like a low cost per conversion with a bad save rate a bad listen rate a bad playlist ad rate a bad follow rate is just like okay let's let's do a different song or something um yeah no exactly i mean and seeing how many playlists people added to and what playlists people added to yeah. all of those things help a, a ton with figuring out if like do people really connect with my song <laughs> right totally um so when it comes to actually running conversion campaigns which um calvin i saw you asked what do you recommend i think you asked that when i was talking about traffic campaigns basically conversion campaigns which i have a boatload of videos on this channel about um but for you alex if someone comes to you and says you know i'm running a conversion campaign it's going badly <laughs> and obviously they would show you some stuff you know and kind of and you, you kind of know but like let's say it's just kind of going really expensive what are some common things you would look at in the campaign or try in the campaign to get the cost per conversion down for their campaign? A lot of times, if I look at an artist's campaign, they, they're only targeting like the United States. And so I check their audience, see if they're targeting a big enough group of people. If they're targeting a big enough group of people, take a look at their creative to make sure the creative you know makes sense and has their song in it and has volume and make sure nothing's just completely broken. Um, but a lot of times different parts of the song make a huge difference. And so I love seeing that there are like, at least three different sections of the song because you have no idea which section is going to perform the best. And a lot of times it's not the chorus, it's the boring verse that you don't think people would want to click on, but there it is yeah. at 10 cents per conversion compared to 30 cents for, for the most exciting part of the song. Um, if the ad creative looks good, check out their toned in and Spotify data. If everything looks pretty good but it's still really expensive i pretty quickly jump to do a new song like wait till your next release yeah. try a new song because there are tons of things you can do to bring down the cost of conversions but at the end of the day it's going to make a very small difference compared to running that same well-built setup for a song that just happens to connect with more people yeah. and that's not to say the quality of one song is better than the other it's just people who see it on Facebook and Instagram click on it more and listen to it more. And that's, that's uh, something that I jump to more quickly than yeah. you know, trying like a whole bunch of different styles of, of setting up campaigns. That's one thing I've learned over time, too. Um, I do try a ton of things before I abandon a song, but before I start a song, I think of like, my plan b budget where like you know let's say for example this song i'm going to spend a thousand if it does badly i'm going to plan for 500 mm. and so what i'll do is like i'll i promote every song no matter what but if it does badly i'm spending less so that way when i get a song that performs above average i can afford to spend more and you know if a song is doing badly like sometimes you can turn it around pretty dramatically like i've had songs go from like a dollar a conversion down to 40 50 cents a conversion but you're probably not going to get something that starts off at a dollar conversion down to 20 cents a conversion like yeah. you, it's, it's happened but like if you go through the motions like in the first week or two weeks and you've tried you know 
different parts of the song, different styles of creative, maybe performance versus lyric video versus cover art. And then you've tried different audiences and like it's getting to the point where like nothing's really doing anything. Like you can definitely optimize the cost down, but you're right, like different songs perform vastly differently a lot of the time. Right. And it, it depends on what that artist's strategy is too. If they're an artist who has spent a couple grand on production in a nice studio and hired a mixing engineer who has worked on big bands music before and they put a lot of music into the or money into that song and they're not releasing yeah. another song this year then it's like okay we'll try absolutely everything and make some out there decisions and uh, try some new tactics that i haven't even tried before but if it's an artist who's got like you know all of their work is on their laptop they release a new song every month then i'm yeah. way quicker to just cut it go to the next one <laughs> definitely uh there was one one guy i've been talking to recently he he had a very big budget for his new song he had a music video he rented like a venue and he had a launch party for it and he didn't have a new song coming out super recently or super soon after it so it was very important for the song to do well so what we did right. after it, the new song performed horribly <laughs> compared to his last songs and you know this is after trying a bunch of ads i think like we tried 12 different creatives we tried like 10 different audiences and so what I did, just in the interest of getting people to the new song, is I duplicated the old campaign that was using the old song that was working. And all I did is I changed the toned end link that he was using, or hyped it link, I forget what he was using, to go to the new song. So like the video was old song, landing page, old song, but Spotify, new song. And the cost per conversion <laughs> did exactly as it did for the old song, but all the streams carried over to the new song with like not a single person complained that like, hey, you bamboozled me and sent me to the wrong song. Like the engagement's great and people like seem to be engaging and saving the song right. So that's a plan B, I guess, if you don't mind being a little shady. <laughs> I, was just, I like that idea a lot. That's like some guerrilla marketing. I would 100% try that. In fact, I have a yeah. campaign I'm running for myself right now and it's my most expensive campaign I've run for one of my own songs at I think yeah. 52 cents per conversion. Usually it's around 20 or below, and I, this is with tier one, tier two, and tier three, and a couple mm -hmm. of the do not use countries. So I started off with just tier one, and then it was like 80 cents or so, and then came down to 52, adding all those countries. But I have a campaign that's running at eight cents per conversion. I think after this call, I'm going to go switch those and see what happens because I love that yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, and our plan, like when we first did it, I was like, we'll do it for like, you know, a couple days. And if everyone starts ripping you a new one on social media, we'll, we'll turn it off and we'll think of something else. But then it was just like, this is just working fine. Not a single person has complained. And um, so, yeah, everyone watching, feel free to steal that idea. <laughs> um, that, I wish I'd heard of that sooner. I, I would have tried that. I learned it from um, Young L3X or Young Lex, whose name is actually mm. Alex Devon now on Spotify. Um, but he was one of my, I think he was like my one of my first three interview videos I've ever done. I think I remember that one. <laughs> and he told me he used to do that. I was like, I'm not going to fucking do that. That's dumb. <laughs> and then it just like, I, he was totally right. It works. It works. You know, I mean, and so honestly, I think I might do that if I haven't, if I ever have a new song and it's doing badly, instead of going all the way to 500, promoting it as is, I might just be like, meh, let me just use the old song and funnel some traffic to it. And that's actually a really cool thing with the waterfall release strategy too. 
when you have like one song on like the waterfall release is crushing it you you're sending people to the the ep the waterfall ep anyway so every time a new track comes out on the waterfall you're sending people to that new song and so you can just keep making the winner the one that you actually keep running um yeah <laughs> i love that idea my fallback fallback backup strategy had always been making a playlist put the first yeah. song put that as the first song on the playlist and try to market that because almost always playlists come out to be uh, cheaper than individual yeah. songs for whatever reason but this could work really well i think yeah i'll watch out yeah. for my i'll watch out for comments and see what my inbox says but i definitely yeah. am intrigued totally so uh when it comes to the whole facebook ad thing um conversion campaigns to spotify do you are you using toned in or hyped it or it's toned in right? toned in it, you... because it was free it was the first one i started using i have had zero issues so i haven't yeah haven't switched yet did you ever notice that question mark si issue yeah so i always copy my link in fresh but i didn't notice it until you had mentioned it recently so i don't know yeah. if i have incorrectly put in the link but I, i've never had an issue where the campaign has just completely not worked at all so i'm assuming right. i haven't had the the question mark si issue yeah, and, and for everyone that has no idea what I'm talking about, um, Tone would have this thing where, like, if you didn't copy the link from Spotify with this, like, question mark SI code at the end, it wouldn't, like, open up the Spotify app correctly. So it would open up in a mobile browser, and it wouldn't be logged in to Spotify. But it's, it seems to be hit or miss of, like, who has that problem and who doesn't. Um, because I've had some people where they had awful campaigns with great cost per conversion, but zero streams in Spotify. And when that happens, there's kind of like three issues of like, it's either they're targeting bad countries, they're targeting bad placements, or three, tone down, question mark SI glitch thing. And I've seen people where like, all we did is fix the question mark SI thing, and their campaign just starts working. <laughs> but then other people have fantastic campaigns, and I look and they don't have it. And so um, people keep asking me like about that, either in calls or in comments, and... Uh, I guess you're the proof that it's not a consistent issue. It's a hit or miss yeah. issue. I don't understand that. That kind of thing is what keeps me up at night whenever I'm running a <laughs> campaign. If it's not going well, I'm like, could there be some wacky issue? Yeah. Like the question mark SI thing that's just causing this to tank. Or is my song just not as good as I thought it was? Right. Yeah, Tonden had a, a down period like six months ago where it was the your landing pages were down for like 24 hours, but the back end was like out for several days. <laughs> and it's, they have they, like various things like that or why like I don't use Tonden myself now. Um, I, I do recommend a lot of new people use it just because it's free, it's easy to set up and it works 99% of the time. But um, that's one reason why I don't personally use it because I care, like, you know, when you, when you spend enough on ads, it's just like, I feel like paying, paying 30 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever a month to, to save any issue like that is well worth it. But um, yeah, well, I recommend to people to do hyped it, but um, yeah, I, once I'm at the next level of spending for my personal Facebook ad campaigns, I'll probably do that. Um, I just haven't got my ad spend isn't uh, too, too crazy. So yeah. 
Yeah, the, a, a lot of new people too. It's like Tone didn't remove so much headache with the custom domain crap. With Hype didn't feature FM, it's like way more annoying. <laughs> and, um, but yeah. So you're using Tone Den, um, and because another thing a lot of people ask me is, should I pay for something? Like, do I have to get a paid service to get good results? Because they see me using Feature FM or hyped it in most of my videos. And uh, you're the proof in the pudding. You just use Tone Den, and it works fine. You've never noticed an yep. issue, and you have no complaints. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. I guess I've gotten lucky on that front compared to some other people's experiences with, with yeah. Tone Den. But at least, I mean, at least we know what the issues likely would be. So yeah. they can be fixed if something does go wrong. Um, but it certainly doesn't give you a faith that in the future, things won't go go wrong again. Right. So Calvin but, again. Calvin has a bunch of good questions today. So you guys primarily push Facebook ads. And I guess the answer is yes. But I want to rephrase the question for you, Alex, to say, what would you recommend outside of Facebook ads for for promoting your music? Because I don't think either of us only do Facebook ads. It's just we both spend most of our money on Facebook ads. Yeah, um, so what yeah else have, exactly. What else have you done that you found works? And what else have you done that you found doesn't work? <laughs> Let's see. So I'll start with stuff that does work. Aside from Aside from Facebook ads, there hasn't been too much that results in that big of a volume of streams. That has worked that well, aside from, you know, submit hub and playlisting, and that can work nicely. Um, it just shouldn't be the only strategy, but it definitely has worked for me, and especially more recently as I've made a couple of songs that are more the modern style of EDM. They've been a lot easier to get onto other people's playlists. Yeah. But the the other main thing is Instagram. That's where most of my my current fans preside. And uh, Instagram has always worked really well for me. I always DM everyone that follows me. That works great because people are like, whoa, you, I didn't know like, that you would talk to me. And then they say, hey, this song, The Hopeful Effect. I love this song so much. I, I've been listening to it all summer and that always feels really good. So it's yeah. almost like fishing for a compliment because you're putting yourself in front of them. And then, you know, if they do like your music and that's why they followed you, they, a lot of times yeah. they'll say it. Uh, commenting on other people's posts. 100% does work. There was a point, uh, summer of 2020 is where I went so hard with this, but I grew like 2,000 followers and that's still where my in Instagram is at, funny enough, because um, <laughs> I stopped doing it. But I would like have a little chart and I would put a little tally mark every time I commented on someone new's post and I would do 40 every single day and then I would wow. go through and respond to all of the people who followed me and send them a DM. And that, like, I think what I calculated it out to be was 8% of the people who I commented on their posts would end up following me. And so then I could say, okay, well, if I want a thousand followers, I just need to comment on a lot of people's posts and then 8% yeah. of them will, will end up following me. So that it really does work. Um, yeah. And most of my biggest fans are from that kind of thing, um, are from Instagram in some way. And then the other thing that I, I love, and I've only been doing for about a year, is Discord. So I made a Discord server for all of my music fans. And so it's like, it's not as big as, you know, the amount of people who follow me or the yeah. amount of people who listen to me on Spotify. But like, I am like, okay, these, these hundred people, like this is it. These are my people. Like they're the ones who are there for me when I'm having a bad day, 
tell me my music is good when maybe it isn't really um, <laughs> that listen to to songs when they release like I, I can count on these people and it's really cool to have that to have this like really important um, group of people who I like spend a lot more time with than all of the people from Spotify um, and I know yeah. that that like that's the future of like what what can help me grow as an artist once once I get the streaming revenue coming in I'm gonna put all the all of that extra money into like building really good close-knit communities on like discord yeah um I and started, I use an email list as well I started <laughs> messing so with that. the discord and Facebook group thing recently uh, I, I did a video on like how to run Facebook messenger ads to kind of have conversations with, with fans mm. on a kind of an automated way but also like actually talking with them and I set up a many chat flow, I think they call it, where it'll like, when they message me from the ad, it like has a conversation with them. Obviously they, I'm assuming 90% of people know it's a robot conversation, um, but it's like kind of talking to them and kind of guiding their journey a bit. And at the end it's like, hey, by the way, I have a Facebook group and I have a Discord community, um, click here to join. And it's been really cool. It's, it's a lot of work, I will say. But it's also hard to know like what to what to actually talk about because <laughs> it's not like you, like you can't have a community where all you do it's like once a month you're like hey new song bye you know it's yeah. like you you I think you need to think about other things that your community's for yeah um, but you you so I guess one you you can run Facebook ads to grow those things um, which is cool but. It's also cool to just have it be something that only your most diehard people go to. So I guess right. in, in your community, what what kind of like a, what do they call them? What do they what is Discord called? The subgroups, the sub sub servers on your server? Oh shoot! Is it just rooms uh, or? It's not rooms. Channels. Channels. Yeah. So what like what channels do you have? What do you talk about? And. Uh, you know, what has that been like, I guess? Yeah, so it started, I, I'm trying to remember back when I first created it. So we first created it, and the reason that I created it was so that I could play Minecraft with my fans. Uh, because in the EDM world, especially my style of EDM, that's like gaming EDM, yeah. a lot of people play Minecraft. So I set it up to play Minecraft with them, and so I got a Minecraft realm, invited everyone from the Discord onto... Uh, onto the Minecraft realm and we used the discord to do voice chat and we had like a channel for the pictures of the Minecraft realm that, that we created and I would go live on Twitch and play Minecraft with them and then they would watch it from Twitch or from the discord stream. And that was yeah. like, like that was so cool because I remember the first day we did it, we had like 20 people playing at the same time and we made it this whole event and it was just, it was awesome because like I knew all of these people from Instagram and now I was hearing their voices and interacting with them in a game. It was like, like that, that was a very magical experience. And yeah, like that kind of thing at this point doesn't result in me making more money, which is what I need to do as an artist to survive. But it's so satisfying and gratifying. Yeah. It just like fills, filled my heart. So we did that. <laughs> uh, we have channel for, uh, we have one channel that's just like a this bot that will give us a, pose a question to us, and then we'll talk about that question. Um, a, a channel for art. I have a lot of artists in the in the Discord, like 
drawing artists that make yeah. beautiful artwork. Um, we have music producers in there too. So we have one for music production and that's, that's pretty much it. I'd say we don't have a ton of channels, but you know, the general yeah. one is what's used the most. Yeah. I think a lot of people should just kind of pick whatever their hobby is and make that or whatever their hobbies are and make those channels. Cause like for you, it's, it's essentially like, you like playing Minecraft. Okay, cool. There's a gaming one. You like, you like making music. And so there's a music production one and like, you know, and for me, it would, I'd probably actually do a similar thing. I mean, I already have a discord. I think I actually did add a gaming channel because I, I don't game a ton, but I'll usually play a couple hours of like, fps games a week like either overwatch which i love or um, mm -hmm. halo infinite which i love but wish was better <laughs> and, then, um, and then you know i do call of duty with my friends so i i think i'm at some point i might try doing that like on my music youtube channel which is not the same as this mm -hmm. youtube channel going doing like live streams and then kind of that using that as a because like there's a couple thousand subscribers on there so kind of using that to not only like get more watch time on that channel and drive more people back to my music videos, but also to drive them over to Discord so they can like be part of the gaming thing and then maybe have it where like eventually when there's enough people do like custom games where I could make oh, yeah. like, cause Halo Infinite, you know, whenever they freaking add the custom, well, I think you can do custom ones, but it's hot. Now. Either way, this isn't a gaming channel, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, do stuff like that. And it's not gonna be something that like, is going to grow your audience per se, but it's something that kind of enriches the experience that an audience member who likes what you do experiences, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that stuff, that feels like, that feels so real. I mean, seeing a save rate is, is a nice thing to see, but yeah. like having someone who has just like played Minecraft with you 10 times and is always in like my Instagram DMs and always shares the songs to their stories, it's like, that's, so cool like that's there's something so special about that that yeah like i want to grow that more and make that bigger um but my current focus it's just laser focus get streaming revenue then take the streaming revenue build everything else up and i know that's backwards from a lot of a lot of uh ways that people suggest to do it but i have very specific reasons for wanting that and that's how it's going to be um but even even now even though it's those things are smaller they're Awesome. Yeah. And if anyone is watching this that uh, I've just described, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so would, I guess you, so you just mentioned that streaming is, you know, what you want to be your number one income source um, for music. I guess like what's preventing you from doing shows? Because I have my own reason why I don't play shows, which a lot of artists say is a good revenue stream. Although, spoiler alert, while it can be, it's often um, listed as a marketing expense for a lot of artists playing shows and touring, but it can be a good moneymaker, especially in the electronic music world. So are you doing shows? If not, why not? And um, yeah. So I do, I do DJ, but it's mostly weddings. Yeah. So I'm not dropping my latest banger at a wedding, um, but that I do the weddings because that's a really good income source. Yeah when it comes to playing shows like EDM shows, it's, it's tougher. I, I, I looked into doing that, but it's a tougher sell to get one of those than I had hoped for. I'm not opposed to doing it. I would have a lot of fun 
doing something like that. Um, but it, when I contact promoters, and I, I do this in my local area mostly because that's where I have the biggest pull. I have a lot of listeners in this area. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of family. I could, I could pull 50 people to come see me play, which for a promoter is pretty good. I mean, yeah. one of our EDM clubs here is only, I feel like it's only like 200, 300 people can fit in there. It's really small. I could, yeah. I, if I were an opener at something like that, I could pull a good audience. I could get a lot of people to buy drinks, like all of the stuff that they need. And I, I say this in my, my emails to them and then they respond, they ask for my social media and I send it to them and then they never respond again. Um, I did have one promoter in Philadelphia who, he, who was down to give me a shot. He said, if, if I can guarantee that I bring 30 people out, he'll give me an, an, an opening slot. Um, but the other issue with all of that is I hear through uh, other workers who have worked at ven- these EDM venues that a lot of their opening DJs haven't even gotten paid for any of the things they've done in the past year. And yeah. that they're business-wise, they're not very responsible and they don't really care too much about like the artists that they have come up that aren't the ones yeah. who are selling you know thousands of tickets. So it, seems, it seemed to me that it was a lot more trouble than it was worth. Wedding DJing pays way more than club <laughs> DJing. And I yeah. will wait until my music is so popular that people come to see me for my music and I don't have to convince a promoter that they need to book me. I would just rather do that. Yes, yeah. And I see Calvin says, tell them you will sell 30 tickets. <laughs> that is what I basically, basically did. Yeah. Uh, I've, so. I've like promoters are interesting. Like I've heard so many horror stories from artists, but I've also had consulting clients who are promoters ask for my help with ads because they're trying to promote a show. But the problem is a lot of the artists I've talked to, Obviously, I mean, just like record labels and artists and managers and whatever, there's like there's good and bad everywhere. So like promoters get the bad rap. There are a lot of bad actors, but there's also plenty of good ones. Um, but the bad horror, horror stories I've heard is that one, they don't do any promoting. They're just like they basically buy out a venue and then they're giving some money of that to the artists and then they basically sell the tickets and make a bunch more money than everyone else involved. And there's different variances of that. But, like, sometimes they'll book shows of artists or decide how much to pay artists by, like, specifically how many TikTok followers you have. And every promoter and venue will have a different criteria. So, like, some will care about your Instagram. Some will care about your Spotify monthly listeners. Some will care about TikTok. Some will factor in all three, and some of them will only pick one. And in the past, it was Facebook pages. And the crazy thing is a lot of venues... Like, you know, artists, a lot of the time, they don't get paid that much for a show. They might get paid, you know, let's say a couple right. hundred bucks or whatever. You know, if they're, especially if they're an opener, they might even get nothing. But they'll make their money for merch. A lot of venues, at least in the States, take between 20 and 30% of all merch sales. I hate that so much. <laughs> which is, like, insane. Um, and so because of that, and there's a great video that, when this video is not a live video, but a final video, I'll, maybe I'll remember the link. But it's by Bad Snacks on youtube Hmm. she went on a tour with some other artist um and she did like a post recap and she explained that and i was like oh my god that's a thing and i googled it and i just found all these stories of people doing it which is just like nuts like 
a venue like, oh yeah, you can sell your merch in here, but we're going to take 30%. It's like, why? That's so crazy. A lot of times <laughs> the margin on that is pretty small for a lot of artists too. It's not like... That's why concert merch is so expensive a lot of the time. Like, why is yeah, it makes sense. concert shirt 50 bucks when online it's like 30? It's like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. They have to get their, they have to make it worth their, their time too. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so that's why I'm not super into doing shows i i am looking forward to the opportunity to one day do it it's just it's not part of the laser focus of yeah people listening to my music on streaming my reason for not doing shows is that i did a bunch not like a ton but like a good amount when i was a teenager and like the band that i had at the time and you know we didn't do like big shows we were, we were kids right but I like I did a bunch of acoustic stuff as a solo artist, like open mic nights, and then I played various local fairs. And some of them were paying reasonably well for the fair gigs. Um, I ran my own open mic night with the band. We played a bunch of different shows, local venues. There's this church that had like a metal scene, and then there was that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was the basement of a church. Um, we played there a couple times, and then we played a few battle with bands and stuff like that. But as soon as I got into recording music, and like. Um, I guess recording music, but also writing with the computer and, and more writing-y stuff with production. I was just instantly like, this is my favorite part of music. Like, I, I never really liked the, the playing show aspect. Like, it's fun, but it's like, it's so much work. It's so much time. You're usually getting paid badly unless you're a larger artist. And it, if you get to the larger size, it can be incredibly well worth it money-wise. But um, it's just like... I don't love it <laughs> like and so I, i'll probably end up doing it at some point if all goes well right if there's enough demand for it hopefully i would do it again but it's just like the writing and production it's like that's where i'm at and uh just you know a lot of people don't get that but yeah i understand that perfectly i mean that's the reason i do music is because when i make a melody that i love on my computer yeah and i'm filled with emotion it's like that that moment right there is what it's all about yeah. I since I mean since mine is just EDM, I I don't do my own singing, so I wouldn't even have a mic. I would yeah. just be DJing my music. The idea of doing a show is very easy. I mean, I would yeah. show up with my music on a USB. I would DJ it. I have some other people's songs in there, and basically would just be sitting there listening to it on amazing speakers. Yeah. So that that checks out for me. But yeah, if I were a band, I I mean I I also think it would be fun to be in a band. I have one idea that one day I will do a tour with a punk rock band and we'll just do punk rock covers of all of my EDM songs. And I think that would be a really fun thing to do. That but would be fun yeah, to do. <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you for not wanting to do uh, shows for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday again though. Yeah, um, exactly. So we talked about things that you think are worth it for marketing, but I think we forgot about what things you found just suck. Or didn't work for you, at least. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll put doing shows at the top of that list. Um, not that I've done shows and they haven't worked out. It's just that the time it takes to get that rolling and the, the outcome of that I don't have much faith in, mainly because I also see a bunch of other DJs, especially in the D.C. area, who have no one listening to their music, but they play a bunch of shows. So like, I don't yeah. care about that. I want people to listen. Um, other things that haven't worked. I was pretty lucky to find good sources on what to do in, when I started marketing my music. I'm, there wasn't any big mistake I'd made. Like I, 
luckily avoided bot-filled playlists and sketchy promotion companies. Um, so there have been like small things that have that I've done that haven't worked too like great, like a bad ad campaign, or oh, I think I'm trying. To, I think I maybe I signed up for a clubhouse account back when that was the thing. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, so I, like, I, I downloaded I my music here. I, I downloaded that app and I opened it for five minutes and I was like, "Fuck this!" Like I am it not was doing the worst. The people giving advice on there, like talking like they know what they're doing. Oh, it was it was brutal. But yeah. that reminds me of actually the number one thing that I did for a while that didn't work was uh, be a part of, of artist communities that would listen to each other's music. Uh, doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work very well unless unless the people in that community really somehow dig your music, then it doesn't yeah. really work. It, it feels good to be able to go into a Reddit group, post your link on a big New Music Friday thing where all the artists get to get to spam their music link. <laughs> but that just doesn't do shit. <laughs> yeah. A huge waste of time. And I did it for a while. And I was part of Discord servers where you could share your music. And uh, and then people would give you unwanted feedback on it. And it's like, it just, nothing about it was a good time. I think that's, yeah. that's something that most people try when they first start out. And it's a good thing to get away from. It can work for some very specific types of artists, but it's generally good thing to avoid. <laughs> like if you're making house music or even, even various types of electronic music, it can actually make sense to have an audience of music creators as your, as your people. But like, you're probably not gonna get the type of fans you have in your head you want when you do that. Cause a lot of them just like, they're gonna interact with the stuff so you interact with their stuff. It's not really the point. But like a cool thing if you're doing like kind of DJ house music stuff, it's like a lot of those guys play other producers they know's music. So kind of building a rapport and knowing people can actually help. But for ninety nine percent of people, it's just a complete waste of time. Um, right. And, and yeah, actually, oh god. Uh, I say it's similar for like a YouTube channel too. I've talked to artists who like they're kind of also want to be a YouTuber to kind of promote their music, but like they're they're making tutorial videos on their channel. And it's like, like, yeah, that's a great way to grow a YouTube channel. You're probably not, you're probably gonna build an audience of people that don't care about your music, like I've done several times. Yeah. Like this channel, a lot of people don't know, used to be, first it was screaming lessons, so vocal screaming lessons, and then two was music production, and then I was tying in the music production so I could drive people to my music, and then there was the music marketing, but like, all my music videos used to be uploaded to this channel. And then I learned over time that the audience, like I built an audience, so it's like, cool, right? Awesome. You did the thing you wanted to do. Problem is, it was not for my music. <laughs> and yep. I've done that several times. And that's why now I have a separate YouTube channel that's Andrew Southworth Music. So that that channel, it's just gonna be my music, no tutorials, like everything there is for my music. And now this channel is just like, it's just the marketing and business because, um, you can build the wrong audience. And if you join those producer things or those like follow for follow things, you're gonna build an audience of the wrong audience, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. That is actually something that I should add to my list as well is doing things that aren't related to my music. Because I, like, I'm not planning on building a marketing business myself. I want to be a part of your marketing business. <laughs> um, 
but I, I mean, for a while I would do like TikTok videos related to music, but like that doesn't get people to like your music. Like your song has yeah. to be in that TikTok and people have to hear it and go and listen to it because that was the part of the TikTok that they liked <laughs> the most. Yeah. If it's not like, and that's, I think that's why Facebook ads work so dang well because they hear the song. They're not like, they're not being tricked into going into this like, I don't know, funny comedic video or to like, like um, see a tutorial and then maybe go like your music. It's like, here's the yeah. music. Click on right. the link if you like it, and that like that works. So yeah, artists spending a lot of time in the like artist circles and the feedback groups and posting, you know, being a YouTuber as well if that's not what part of their plan, I think is just most of the time not worth it, especially at the beginning. I mean, you made a good yeah. point about artists who can, you know, send their songs into those groups and then other DJs will pick it up and start using it. But most of the time, the artists that do that kind of thing are new. And so their music is yeah. not good enough to be picked up by a DJ and played anywhere. I think a right. lot of times, by the time artists get really, really good, they're no longer doing that kind of marketing because they don't need to. Right. Totally. And actually, there's one thing I haven't brought up in this live stream. It'll be on the final video in several places. But um, for those of you that, that um, are watching and are interested, and maybe some of you have booked consultation calls with me before, but now Alex is going to be doing consultation calls like through my business as well. And so there's a link in the description if any of you are interested. It's my new consultation booking page. It's probably not complete yet right now, but it's fine. Just ignore the stuff. Like I don't think the contact form works yet. So please be gentle um, or let me know if, <laughs> if something's wrong via email. Um, but you know, if you want to book a call with me or Alex, you can go in there. You can see testimonials for both of us. You can see what we kind of each specialize in. Alex is also available um, for European hours, a little more friendly, whereas I only do like later hours. So um, yeah, check that out. Link in the description if you're into it. 